Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And I figured for the last new episode of 2021, we should talk predictions for 2022. This is actually going to be a pretty short episode uh, because it's hard. Like, it's always hard to predict tech. Full stop. Like whether you know it's a good year or a bad year, it's always tough to predict tech in the era of a pandemic and semiconductor shortages and all that stuff. It has grown increasingly difficult to predict tech, uh, at least in any way that isn't like gloomy. So uh, this is also going to be short because it is kind of a gloomy episode. I apologize for that. Uh, It may just very well be a reflection of my own mental state (laughs) as opposed to, you know, uh, an actual vision of what will become. So take solace in that. It could very well be that I am just being incredibly pessimistic with some of these predictions. Also, I should say, like, I have a pretty strong track record for not being right. So that should also be some comfort because I'm the guy who said that I was skeptical the iPad was ever going to be a hit. I thought it was going to be a flop. And obviously I was completely wrong on that. So, you know, with that kind of bold prognosticating, I think we can all rest comfortably at the end of this episode. All right. I actually thought at first about making this sort of a a wild and, and inaccurate predictions episode as a joke, you know, like predicting stuff like personal jetpacks and all that kind of stuff, except obviously that joke would get old within a minute. And then I would just have to keep doing it, you know, and commit to the joke until we had an episode on our hands. And that would be miserable. So to spare all of this, us that, you know, terrible fate, here's some basic predictions I think we'll see come to pass in 2022. And I mentioned the semiconductor shortage. Uh, I think the semiconductor shortage will continue throughout next year. There are some tech analysts and some leaders who think that we might emerge from this shortage sometime in 2022, either by mid-year or maybe late year. But I tend to be a bit more pessimistic about that. Uh, I agree with Intel's CEO, Pat Gelsinger, who believes it will stretch into 2023. Now, there are a lot of companies out there that are rushing to build out production capabilities, you know, manufacturing facilities, factories, in other words. But those are still years out from coming online. Like, that process is not fast. It's going to take a long time. And again, we're operating in a pandemic. Things like giant construction uh, uh, projects are hard to do. So also, chip production is just one part of this challenge. There's also the packaging side of the business. Uh, most of the packaging happens in places like China, which receives the freshly produced semiconductors and then slaps them into packaging before they are shipped off. Uh, it is kind of crazy to think about how it is more economically viable to produce chips in one country, ship them to another country to be packaged, and then go off to go to warehouses around the world and stuff. That that is actually cheaper 
than doing it all in the same country. But when you're talking about operating at scale and when you're talking about countries that have uh, not great worker practices, that's the way that kind of pans out. Anyway, the packaging part is another issue, right? Like even if we ramp up production, we still have to have the other parts of this moving machine working. So it's possible that even should we see production capacity rise, we'll have a bottleneck in the packaging side of the chain. And then we have other general supply chain issues that we still have to deal with. Uh, And then there's the continuing uncertainty that just goes along with COVID in general. I suspect we will have moved beyond Omicron sometime early in 2022, at least I hope so. But then who knows what variant could be next? Like, I would love to see COVID go from pandemic to endemic uh, to have that shift happen in 2022. And I really hope it happens. But, you know, I had hoped it would happen by the end of 2020. And here we are. So I'm sad to say I feel we won't see the other side of the semiconductor shortage in 2022. Uh, And that is going to affect numerous other industries. Uh, The computer and electronics industries are obviously going to be hit by this, but it also extends to other kinds of tech, including, you know, automobiles. It might be a while before we start seeing super futuristic options available again, or even just, you know, some of those cool options you saw in some of the higher end vehicles, things like really advanced uh, entertainment systems and things like that. Some of that's going to get scaled back because car makers will have to kind of dial back a little bit in order to to continue producing cars. Otherwise, they may find out that their production quotas are held up because they don't have enough semiconductors to make these other, you know, tertiary systems. All right, so that prediction in general is actually going to factor into a lot of other predictions I have. Uh, I like to look at other people who are making predictions as well and see what I think about them. Uh, One prediction I saw is from the chief strategy officer of LuxXL, a a person named Guido Grert, who predicts that mixed reality glasses and other products in that, that area are going to have a big year in 2022. So these would be devices that tap into stuff like virtual reality and augmented reality experiences. Presumably, these kinds of things would be really important for many of the proposed incarnations of a future metaverse, which obviously is in the hype cycle right now. Uh, I would love to see mixed reality headsets really take off, but my prediction is they're going to flop. Now, I hope I'm actually wrong about that. I Like I said, I, I want to see them succeed. I want to see them emerge from the niche market they are in now. I mean, when Microsoft first started showing off the HoloLens a few years ago, I was really intrigued. But this technology has mostly been kept to the business sector. It's not like a consumer electronics product. Uh, And the stuff we have seen in the consumer space hasn't really established a considerable user base. I worry there aren't going to be nearly enough applications for this technology to really make it seem worthwhile to the average consumer. I mean, you're going to have your early adopters. They'll rush out and get it. You'll have a few tech enthusiasts who are going to jump in there. I mean, I'm one of the people who actually owned a pair of Google Glass 
So I get that early adopter tech enthusiast thing. But unless there are some really compelling experiences and software that go along with the hardware, I don't think we're going to see this catch on. Uh, And even with really good applications, I still think this is an uphill battle. Folks have traditionally been a bit unimpressed or uninterested in headsets. From the failure of 3D television to the relatively small VR gamer user base, I mean, I just feel like this is a tech that just isn't clicking with the mainstream. And without mainstream money, I'm not sure how many companies will stick around the mixed reality space for the long haul. Okay, but I do have one huge caveat to all of this. If Apple actually debuts its rumored mixed reality headset this year, not necessarily offering it on sale, but at least showing it off, that might be enough to get the ball rolling. Because Apple has proven a few times now that it can take a tech that has failed to hook the mainstream and then turn it around. Uh, That being said, it has been a while since Apple has done that, right? I mean, like they did it with the iPod, they did it with the iPhone, they did it with the iPad. Uh, They've done it to some extent with Mac computers, but it's been a while. So uh, I don't know if Apple still has the same magic, but I would say that if anyone can get this thing moving in the right direction, that is getting people to adopt mixed reality, I would imagine Apple would be sort of the gateway. It'll also be incredibly expensive, but it might open up doors for others. I do think mixed reality has a valid place in technology. I think it's possible to make something really cool and exciting and useful. Uh, I saw potential in Google Glass, but that was a very early version of what I hope to see in the future. But I am skeptical that we're going to see any mixed reality headsets, hardware, software really establish itself as a core technology in 2022, at least not for the average person. I also uh, mentioned the metaverse just then, and I feel like that's something else we're going to hear some more hype about, but I don't expect that to work out anytime soon either. The computational power required to make a really robust, immersive, and immense metaverse, something that can support thousands or even tens of thousands of people being on at the same time. That's just something that we don't have. We don't have that computational power at our disposal, at least not on a scale that would be really impressive. And when you think about all the challenges involved, like building the tech foundation, uh, figuring out what standards you want to use, like is is your your system going to work with people who don't have say, a VR setup. If it works with VR, is it going to work with all of them? Is it going to work with a subset of them? If it works with a subset, then you're automatically cutting out people who don't have that particular hardware. These are all, you know, basic problems that you have to tackle. You also have to support a coherent and persistent virtual landscape. And that might mean building in redundancy to handle issues like when the system might go down. We've seen a lot of issues with the internet integrity in 2021. Obviously, you don't want the quote-unquote future of the internet to be unstable or unreliable. So these are really big engineering problems made more complicated by the fact that at least most concepts of the metaverse include being in this very uh, uh, convincing and immersive experience. I mean, that just requires a lot of, of computer power. 
Now, it's, I don't think that these problems are insurmountable, but I also think we're a long way from actually rising to meet the challenge. Not that we won't eventually do it, but that I don't think it's going to happen in 2022. Uh, I actually worry that if someone rushes out to try and get people excited in the idea and they release, you know, like an alpha version that is really stripped down, then the people who try it are probably going to end up being disappointed when, when they see what is actually possible is not measured up to what they thought was going to be possible, what they were promised which is essentially how people felt with VR back in the day. So I think the metaverse is just going to be a dud in 2022. I'm not saying it's never going to happen. I just don't think we'll see any substantial progress next year. Now, I could be totally wrong about that. And as to whether or not I think the metaverse is a good idea, I'm skeptical about that too. I worry that we're going to see a bunch of very wealthy, out-of-touch folks, Mark Zuckerberg, Uh, head the design of virtual worlds that are going to put the wealth and digital divides under an extremely bright spotlight. And I imagine accessing the metaverse, whenever we do get one, is going to require some pretty hefty hardware and a really fast internet connection. And that, those requirements are going to cut off a substantial amount of the world's population. They will not be able to participate in this. And so what you end up with is potentially the tech elite playing a part in a world of digital conspicuous consumption and no one else can participate. Honestly, if it's just conspicuous consumption, I'm okay with being left out. It'll just be gross. But that's what I think it's going to turn out to be. And again, I don't think we'll actually see that in 2022. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a few more predictions. Something I do think we're going to see in 2022, this is not necessarily a good thing, is an explosion of tech in the healthcare space. You better believe there are tons of folks out there eyeing the medical world and looking for any angle they can exploit. So my guess is we're going to see a lot of startups taking aim at various aspects of healthcare and medicine. I mean, that's already been the case. Like there's been a healthcare, a healthy, if you will, healthcare tech sector for a long time, I think it's going to explode in 2022. Uh, Some of the startups are, you know, going to be good. They're going to take aim at various aspects of medicine and make them better. But others, I fear, might fall uh, more along the lines of Theranos, you know, companies that tackle what turns out to be an impossible task. Uh, With Theranos, it was this idea of creating a desktop device that could test a micro drop of blood for hundreds of different potential uh, signs of disease and conditions. Turned out that really wasn't viable. Uh, I'm worried we're going to see a lot more of that because there's this tendency for folks to look at technology and see it as a general purpose solution that can fix any problem as long as you throw enough R&D and money at it. But as we've seen... That's not necessarily the case. Anyway, I'm certain by the end of 2022, we will see a lot of companies that are a blend of tech and medicine. I hope more of them are helpful and fewer of them are a waste of time, money, and resources. And I really hope we don't see another case like Theranos, which was a company that not only burnt through investment capital with nothing to really show for it, but in the process 
caused harm to innocent human beings who were relying on products or services from that company. Uh, That's the real tragedy of Theranos. I think 2022 might be the year where we see companies actually put blockchain to an effective use. Maybe? Uh, I don't think it's going to be as grandiose as a fully-fledged Web3, largely because no one's really nailed down what that's going to look like. But some companies are bound to find at least some useful purpose for blockchain. Uh, This, by the way, is another story that frustrates me because I think a lot of folks out there saw blockchain as, again, kind of like a cure-all solution, sort of the way the cult of technology looks at tech. They think of blockchain and say, that's our, our, our solution, but they didn't define the problem that needed to be solved by blockchain. And that led to folks saying that blockchain could underpin all sorts of systems, but they never actually defined the first problem. So in other words, this felt like a case where you have a solution and you're looking for a problem to fix. That is not the best way to go about problem solving. In fact, it kind of reminds me of the as-seen-on-TV type gadgets that I used to see on late-night television, you know, back when I still watched television. And I'm pretty sure I heard some variation of, it solves a problem you never even knew you had on those kinds of things. And a problem you don't know you have is usually not a problem at all. I mean, if you have a problem, usually you're aware of it. It's possible that you have some problems you're not aware of. But for this kind of stuff, yeah, you you kind of say like, oh, there's got to be a better way to do this. And often this is not a better way. It's just a different way. Uh, Potentially, you're actually making the process of dealing with whatever it is you're doing more complicated and you're incorporating a technology poorly. I feel that's how companies have been tackling blockchain. However, I do think we're going to see at least some blockchain applications emerge in 2022 that will be of actual use to companies. Uh, I still remain a bit skeptical over the whole concept of Web3, but I need to do a full episode about that. Uh, I will say there are a lot of extremely intelligent people, people smarter than I am, uh, and some of whom might have a personal stake in the concept of Web3, so that creates a bit of bias. But there are a lot of smart people who say that is the way forward. Web3 is the future. They might be right. Uh, I feel this is an area where my own lack of awareness and understanding could be coloring my prediction. I just haven't seen much there, there, you know? Like, I haven't seen substance to this. It's a lot of notions, like the idea of a decentralized internet where the people participating have ownership of the actual internet and it breaks the internet free from giant monoliths like Amazon and Google and Facebook. But I haven't actually seen like how (laughs) I I, I hear what it's supposed to do. I haven't really seen how it's supposed to do it. Um, I have seen a lot of venture capitalists get really excited about it. And like Jack Dorsey, the former CEO of Twitter said, it may very well be that you're just looking at not a decentralized internet. It'll just be centralized in different, you know, areas of power, namely the venture capitalists who are funding everything. But anyway, Uh, I very much doubt Web3 is going to be a thing anytime soon, at least not in 2022. But I also have to admit, I need to do a ton more research into this topic. It's very possible I'm just not seeing the obvious here. And so I know that's a long way of saying 
uh, I might be wrong, but like I, I need to couch all that because while I feel a lot of skepticism, I also have to admit there's a lack of knowledge there on my part. And that, that, you know, you can't just be skeptical, skeptical of something just because you didn't bother to learn more about it. So I will do another episode, a full episode about Web3 in the future once I get some time to really dive into it. I suspect we will see China take a harder regulatory stance in the tech industry within China. Uh, Xi Jinping has proven to be pretty proactive in reining in companies that get very large, very wealthy, very quickly. Now, whether that is to make sure the companies are not going to balloon out of control or cause harm, like there's obviously the fear about collecting data, right? We see this this concern around the world, this idea of companies collecting enormous amounts of data about private individuals and how harmful that can be. Well, that's some of the reasoning behind the regulations in China. There are others who say that perhaps this is more about a play in keeping any entity from rivaling the power of the communist government in China. The idea that you don't want to create corporations so powerful that they hold sway over the government like you might in other countries. Uh, But the end result here is that a lot of companies in China and tech companies in particular in China have been hit with some heavy regulations this past year, and I expect that's going to continue. I also think that's going to convince more companies to follow in the footsteps of Yahoo, which pulled up stakes as far as doing business in China is concerned. I think we're going to see more companies come to a similar conclusion that the revenues generated in China are not worth the price of doing business there. Okay, I've got a few more predictions to go through, but before we get to that, let's take another quick break. As we see countries commit to a move toward being carbon neutral or even carbon negative, uh, I think we should also expect to see a lot of companies offer up products and services targeted at supporting those efforts. So I suspect in 2022, we're going to see lots of pushes to expand renewable energy capabilities, uh, energy storage solutions, and similar implementations. I also worry about this a lot, uh, not because I think that renewable energy technology is a bad thing. I don't. I think it's a good thing. But the reason I worry is, once again, too many of us have this tendency to put a lot of faith in technology, and then just assume that the problem has been fixed. I think that's a very dangerous mindset, and I worry about it. In fact, uh, as a little anecdote, I remember before I was a podcaster, I remember listening to a podcast about skepticism and critical thinking in which one of the hosts largely dismissed climate change concerns, essentially saying we would engineer our way out of it. We would use technology to solve the problem. And I think that is an extremely dangerous response. And it ignores issues like holding people and companies accountable for how they contribute to climate change and carbon emissions. So I guess what I'm saying is that I do want to see more renewable energy solutions. I want to see a lot of that in 2022. But I don't want us to let that serve as a a smokescreen for companies and nations that are still dumping tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and contributing to climate change. Like, we can't just say, oh, 
we made more solar panels, so everything's okay now. We have to take a bigger picture view of this, or else we're not really solving the problem. It's kind of the issue I have with um, a lot of, of, uh, of carbon taxing and things of that nature and carbon offsets. I feel like a lot of that ends up just being carte blanche for companies to continue to dump enormous amounts of carbon dioxide with the intent of capturing it in some way, but that falls to other people, other places. Uh, it may just mean that that becomes a, a bottom line expense in a company ledger and nothing is actually done about it. And the fact is that, yeah, you might call it carbon capture or whatever, but if you're not actually doing it, then all you're really doing is shifting some money around and the world just keeps getting more polluted. So that's why I get on my high horse about that. Uh, one thing that we will definitely see more of in 2022, this is such an obvious prediction that it, I almost didn't even put it in here, is that we're going to see a lot more focus on cybersecurity. Uh, we're going to see calls around the world to create regulations to boost cybersecurity practices and hold companies and organizations responsible for following cybersecurity best practices. Like, I would not be surprised to see countries pass laws that say when a uh, patch is released, like a security patch is released for a product that has a known vulnerability in it, that companies will have uh, a, a, a maximum amount of time they're allowed before they have to implement the patch or else they will be fined. I think that's going to be a thing. Uh, I'm less convinced that we're going to see something like that done in the United States. Um, even though we saw several high-profile ransomware cases play out in the United States in 2021, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of movement in the U.S. on this from a political standpoint, simply because the U.S. is in the middle of a pretty dark era in which there's increasing polarization between the left side of the political spectrum and the right side of the political spectrum. And the likelihood of reaching consensus on anything seems optimistic to the extreme because a lot of the energy seems to be dedicated toward demonizing the other side and less about getting stuff done. Uh, however, I really do hope we actually see real movement to make cybersecurity a top priority in all industries because it is clear that the cyber attacks are not going to just stop. So we have to put that work in to fight against it. I think we're going to see companies struggle to figure out what the new normal is. I think for a lot of people, there's now an expectation that having to go into the office is no longer a given requirement. That should not be part of the job necessarily. For people who want to go, sure. But I think a lot of folks say, that should not be a requirement for all offices everywhere. And companies that push for employees to return to the office might find themselves struggling to attract and retain talent as folks migrate to other companies that are less adamant about office life or they go and found their own businesses. Now, I don't think we're saying goodbye to offices everywhere. I don't think office culture is dead and gone, but I do think there's going to be a pretty big shift. And obviously, that will start to have an impact on things like office space in general. Uh, we haven't yet seen trends of massive office spaces going vacant in the sense that companies have actually pulled out of their lease and no one else has come in. We haven't really seen that trend yet. Uh, we've definitely seen the trend of empty offices. I mean, whenever I go to the office these days, 
I might see as many as two or three other people. I think on the busiest day, I saw five. But otherwise, like there have been several times where I've had to go into the office and I am the only one there. And I know that's not unusual. But again, we have that office space. I'm saying that in 2022, we're going to see companies start to scale back on the amount of office space they actually have, that they won't need as much because they'll adopt a different approach to work. I'm not super confident about this prediction, however, because there might be a strong enough effort from companies to push back on that and get back to a return to commuting into work every day, or at least a few times every week, that maybe that won't come to pass. However, another trend that I expect we will see continue in 2022 is one that's being called the Great Resignation. Uh, The United States Labor Department has been tracking the rate at which people have been quitting their jobs. So before the pandemic, the number of people who were resigning, that is, quitting voluntarily, as opposed to being encouraged to depart, which is just another way of saying getting canned, uh, that rate was around 3.5 million people per month. Late this year, those numbers grew to more than 4 million people per month. Employers are posting more job openings, but there's a labor shortage at this point. Meanwhile, the folks who are left behind when someone quits are frequently burdened with extra work that can be demoralizing, that can then end up contributing to people who are left behind to say, you know what, I'm out of here too, and it becomes a vicious cycle, and you start to see more and more people resign. Many of those resigning are older workers, and we're seeing larger numbers of them opt for an early retirement. Uh, so they're not going to work for somewhere you know, different. They're just, they're just re- retiring early. A third of all people who quit are saying they set out to start their own business, which is pretty incredible. I mean, 33% of people resigning saying they want to go into business for themselves. I mean, it is a hustle culture out there. It's a lot of hustle to have your own business. But then again, I mean, we've been training an entire generation of people to hustle. That's that's the way they get by. So maybe it's all going to work out. At the moment, workers have the leverage in this situation. It's more of a workers market than a company market. And I expect we will see that continue at least into the first half of 2022. And those are my predictions. Like I said, it's a little bit of a shorter episode. Didn't want to get too granular in this because honestly, with COVID making such a huge impact, it's hard to make more granular predictions. Like I thought about predicting which video games would not come out in 2022 and we get pushed into 2023. But then that starts to sound kind of ugly. And I I didn't want to get ugly on this episode. Not any uglier than I already did. I hope you out there all are having a lovely holiday season. I wish you all the best in 2022. I really hope my gloomy predictions are all wrong. I would love to come to the end of 2022 and say, why 22 rocked it so hard and I was so wrong. That would be a a fantastic thing to have to do at the end of the year. Here's hoping. And if you have suggestions for topics I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, please reach out to me on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again uh, in the new year. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.